This program was pre-recorded and edited for this one half hour broadcast. This is The Way, Universal Life Church with Pastor Gene and Rebecca. For prayers or concerns, email Dr. Reverend Gene at gmail.com. That's D-R-R-E-V-G-E-N-E at G-M-A-I-L dot com. Today is a day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, it's wonderful to see you all here today. Thank you. You are a blessing to me. I uh, have just a little short introduction today, not as long as some of them, but this is just a little short one. And uh, what it is, is I want, the sermon today is going to talk about your relationship with God. Your relationship. Now, we talk about denominations. We talk about churches, different churches and all of that. And as you know, we here are what I call interdenominational. Interdenominational simply means that from wherever you are in your church life, you're welcome here in Christ's life. We are Bible-based. We read the Bible. We study the Bible. We work with the Bible. And we are true Christians. The first part of Christian starts with the word Christ. And we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our Deliverer, our Redeemer, who came to this earth, who died for our sins, and who allows us, whoever believe in him, to have eternal life with him in heaven. Now, it's all good. If you went to somewhere else and they taught the same message that I teach, it's good. It's not up to us to determine where someone is in their church life, but it is up to us to determine where they are in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So what I am is I'm a sower of seeds. We had our sermon a couple weeks ago about sowing seeds. And what I do is I sow the seed, and where the seed lands, that's where it lands. And if it grows, that's God's will. But I still have to sow the seed. That's my job. So the seed that I sow is the word of God. So it is through God's grace and mercy that we are able to gather. And we do gather in the name of our God, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's how we gather. Okay? And we start off right away with what I call a confession or a sinner's prayer. And the reason why we do this at the beginning is because it's important, and God tells me that it's my job, it's my job to get you to believe in Jesus Christ as his only son, and I can only do that by sowing that seed. So the seed is this. St. John wrote in the Bible, and he wrote this in 1 John. If we confess that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess that we do sin, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this is something that's really important. It's really important. Because that goes back to what John said about 30 years earlier in 1 John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son into the world, not to condemn it, but to save it. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for our Savior and our Redeemer. We have a sinner's prayer. Dear God in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner, and I am sorry for my sins and the life that I have lived. I need your forgiveness. I believe that your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, shed his precious blood on the cross at Calvary and died for my sins. I am now willing to turn from my sin. You said in the Bible that if we confess the Lord our God and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, we shall be saved right now. I confess Jesus as my Lord. With my heart, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. This very moment, I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior, and according to his word, right now, I am saved. Amen and amen. Now, Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, for me, for us. And for his sake, 
as a called and ordained minister of God and an ordained servant of Christ, and by the authority given by Jesus in the holy words of the Bible, I am able, therefore, to declare unto you all God's forgiveness of all of your sins, that we do this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we have a prayer for today, and it goes like this. O God, sustain us in the complexity of our humanity as you sustained David, playing the harp of youth, throwing stones at giant problems, loving our friends beyond wisdom, dancing, worship, mourning children, breaking our hearts in psalms, and longing for warmth in our old bones. Amen. Now, the written word for us today, the words from the Bible, we ask that these words be on our mind, on our mouths, and in our hearts. And Rebecca is going to read those for us, and the Old Testament lesson today comes from the book of Lamentations. Rebecca, would you read those for us, please? The Old Testament scriptures from Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 through 33. The Lord's love never ends. His mercies never stop. They are new every morning. Lord, your loyalty is great. I say to myself, the Lord is mine, so I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to those who seek him. It is good to wait quietly for the Lord to save. It is good for someone to work hard while he is young. He should sit alone and be quiet. The Lord has given him hard work to do. He should bow down to the ground. Maybe there is still hope. He should let anyone slap his cheek. He should be filled with shame. The Lord will not reject his people forever. Although he brings sorrow, he also has mercy and great love. He does not like to punish people or make them sad. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our psalm is Psalm 30. I will praise you, O Lord, because you rescued me. You did not let my enemies laugh at me. Lord, my God, I prayed to you, and you healed me. You lifted me out of the grave. You spared me from going down to the place of the dead. Sing praises to the Lord, you who belong to him. Praise his holy name. His anger lasts only a few moments. His anger lasts only a moment. But his kindness lasts a lifetime. Crying may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. When I felt safe, I said, I will never fear. Lord, in your kindness, you made my mountain safe. But when you turned away, I was frightened. I called to you, Lord, and asked you to have mercy on me. I said, what good will it do if I die or go down to the grave? Dust cannot praise you. It cannot speak about your truth. Lord, hear me and have mercy on me. Lord, help me. You changed my sorrow into dancing. You took away my clothes of sadness and clothed me in happiness. I will sing to you and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Amen. A New Testament reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 7 through 15. You are rich in everything, in faith, in speaking, in knowledge, and truly wanting to help, and in the love you learned from us. In the same way, be strong also in the grace of giving. I am not commanding you to give, but I want to see if your love is true by comparing you with others that really want to help. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that Christ was rich, but for you he became poor, so that by his becoming poor, you might become rich. This is what I think you should do. Last year you were the first to want to give, and you were the first who gave. So now finish the work you started. 
Then your doing will be equal to your wanting to do. Give from what you have. If you want to give, your gift will be accepted. It will be judged by what you have, not by what you do not have. We do not want you to have troubles while other people are at ease. But we want everything to be equal. At this time, you have plenty. What you have can help others who are in need. Then later, when they have plenty, they can help you when you are in need. And all will be equal. As it is written in the scriptures, the person who gathered more did not have too much. Nor did the person who gathered less have too little. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Today's gospel text comes from the book of Holy Saint Mark, beginning with the fifth chapter, starting with the twenty-first verse. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you, O Lord. Now Jesus is going to give life here to a dead girl, and he's going to heal a sick woman. When Jesus went in the boat back to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him there, as leader. A leader of the synagogue named Jairus came there and saw Jesus and fell at his feet. He begged Jesus, saying again and again, My daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and will live. So Jesus went with him. Now a large crowd followed Jesus and pushed very close to him. Among them was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered very much from many doctors and had spent all the money she had. But instead of improving, she was getting worse. When the woman heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his coat. She thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Instantly, her bleeding stopped, and she felt her body that she was healed of her disease. At once, Jesus felt power go out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? His followers said, Look at how many people are here pushing against you, and you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus continued looking around to see who had touched him. The woman, knowing that she had been healed, came and fell at Jesus' feet. Shaking with fear, she told him the whole truth. Jesus said to her, Dear woman, you are made well because you believed. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of the synagogue leader. Remember, his name was Jairus. And they said, Your daughter is dead. There's no need to bother the teacher anymore. But Jesus paid no attention to what they said. He told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus let only Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, go with him. When they came to Jairus' house, Jesus found many people there, making lots of noise and crying loudly. Jesus entered the house and said to them, why are you crying and making so much noise? The child is not dead. She's only asleep. But they laughed at him. So after throwing them out of the house, Jesus took the child's father and mother and his three followers into the room where the child was. Taking hold of the girl's hand, he said to her, Talitha Kuhn, this means, young girl, I tell you to stand up. At once the girl stood right up and began walking. She was about 12 years old. Everyone was completely amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell people about this. Then he told them to get the girl something to eat. Here ends the reading of the gospel. Praise, praise to you, O Christ. Great words, great words. O grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. May the meditations of my mind, the thoughts of my heart, and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord. And I humbly ask the Holy Spirit to come and be with me this hour to give me the words to speak. The story of Jairus' daughter is a great one, and most sermons go off on that tangent. And they talk a lot about 
how Jesus came and did his work with her, reviving a dead person back to life. The gospel that we heard is kind of like one miracle inside of another. Now we know that Jairus came on behalf of his daughter, and she was dying, and then as Jesus was on his way to heal that daughter, he announced, or was touched by, a woman who suffered another disease. Now, although the woman only wanted physical healing, she just wanted her bleeding stopped. Jesus knew that she needed something much more than that. Now, from a human standpoint, this really causes a dilemma. See, Jesus' appointment book was full. He had something going on, and here came this other interruption. Should Jesus stick around and deal with the woman, or should he continue on with Jairus, who he said he would go with? If he sticks around, Jairus' daughter might die before Jesus can get to her. And on the other hand, the woman needs more help than just touching his womb and getting healed. And Jesus might not be able to find her again. Well, those questions are human questions. Fortunately, Jesus is not limited to human thinking, concepts, or viewpoints. He took the time to deal with the woman, even though it meant that the daughter would die. He knew that. But then he dealt with the daughter just not by bringing her back to life, but bringing her back to perfect health. Get up. Go get something to eat. Sounds like my mom. That's what she would say, you know. Be the person. When Jesus stopped and turned around in the middle of the crowd, no one was more surprised than the woman who touched his garment for healing. The account makes it really fairly clear that she wanted to go unnoticed. She didn't want to be in any trouble. She just had to sneak in and touch his garment and be gone. No one needed to know. No one was more shocked than she was when Jesus turned around and said, Who touched my garments? Nevertheless, the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she knew she was immediately healed, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She was terrified that she was about to be punished for her actions. Now let's go back to that time frame. See, the nature of her bleeding was a condition that had rendered her unclean, just as though she were a leper. The law concerning a woman with her condition was super clear. It says in Leviticus 15.25, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of the discharge, she shall be an unclean person and continue uh, to not associate with people. You couldn't even be near someone if you had a leprous condition or a condition like this. You couldn't even have the COVID six-foot separation. It wouldn't work. You had to have your own little neighborhood. You had to be put aside, set aside, ostracized, be gone, until she was clean. She couldn't be with regular folks. Now, not only was this woman unclean, but she had done something else. She had exposed the entire crowd, everybody, the entire crowd to her uncleanliness. Strictly speaking, this woman had sinned against every member of the crowd that was around her. So every member of that crowd had to go to the priest to get purified. She rightly expected punishment for violating this ritual cleanliness of every member of the crowd. She expected to be punished. She was fear, in fear and trembling. You know why? Because back in those days, the penalty for that was being stoned to death. The account tells you, us, all of us, that Jesus had nothing but good news gospel for the woman. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus understood that this bleeding condition was the least of this woman's troubles. 
If Jesus would have let her go on her way, she would still carry all of the guilt of her sins. Not just the guilt of sneaking through the crowd and stealing some of Jesus' power, but the guilt for all the other sins in her life. Physically, she would be fine, but eternally she would still be condemned. Jesus' words comforted her, forgave her, and gave her peace. Every one of us enters life with the same fear that this woman had. Deep down inside, we all know that we don't measure up. Deep down inside, we all know that we all need Jesus' help. Deep down inside, we know that the help can only come from God. At the same time, we know that God has every right, every right, to punish us for our sin. We find ourselves in the painful situation of needing help from a source that terrifies us. We find ourselves in a situation where we want God to help us when we get in a jam. But we want Him to stay far, far away the rest of the time. That's fear. Why do we have this fear of God? Well, it started with the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The man and his wife hid themselves, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. That's Genesis 3, verses 8 to 10. Ever since that day, humanity has labored under the false notion that somehow we must try to earn our way back into God's favor. Somehow we must fix what went wrong in the Garden of Eden. That's the reason most people believe that religion is all about becoming a better person. It's all about getting right with God. And of course, anyone who's even halfway honest has to admit that you cannot pull that off. Therefore, God terrifies them. They know that they will not meet God's standards on the day that they go to meet their maker. The best that the false religions can do is promise a painless non-existence after death. Otherwise, death itself is full of terror, because no false religion can assure you that you have been good enough. That's why religion is not important. It's the relationship with God, His Son, Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit that needs to be first and foremost in yours and my life. See, the sad thing about all those terrified people is that they have the idea of religion, and it's all wrong. Developing a true relationship is not about you or I living a righteous life for God. It's about God taking on human flesh through Jesus the Redeemer and living a righteous life for you and for me. It's not about you getting right with God. It's about God's only Son dying on a cross so that He can give His righteousness to you and I. It's not about you and I paying the penalty for our sins. It's about God in human flesh paying the penalty for you as he hangs on that cross and endures the punishment that we deserve. It's not about a God who demands and takes. It's about a God who offers and gives. Romans 5, 8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were, are, still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we live in this sinful world and our own sinful nature fills us with the false religions of terror, then how can we receive that true love of God in a relationship of forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life? In the gospel we just heard, Jesus did not allow that woman to sneak off with a mere physical healing. He wanted to heal her totally, body, mind, and spirit. So he turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? I get a kick out of this part, really I do. He asked the question for the same reason in the garden where he asked Adam and Eve when they were in Eden. He says, where are you? He knew exactly where they were. He knew who they were. He also knew about the woman who touched him. In Eden, he asked in order to call Adam and Eve to himself. 
In the same way, he asked who touched my garments to bring that woman to himself. She didn't know that the music that she had come forward to face was the music that was the good news gospel of eternal life. It was then that Jesus gently and lovingly laid that gospel on her and said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus did not just heal her disease, but he also gave her his peace. Now, the woman did not seek out Jesus for anything except physical healing. She didn't care that her mind wasn't right. She didn't care that her spirit wasn't right. She just didn't care. She wanted to be physically healed. But once her body was physically healed, she wanted to sneak off, blend into the crowd, and go on with her life and never be heard from again. But you know, she got more gifts than just a physical healing of her body. Through faith and her new relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, she received mental and spiritual healing because Jesus called her to himself and gave her his peace and gave her the faith. And that faith is the one that surpasses all understanding. We can't understand it. Jesus, today, still gives his words of peace and healing. We have his words given in the Old Testament through the prophets, even before he was born. We have his words in the New Testament given to his apostles out of his very human mouth. Words that the apostles didn't immediately understand, but that the Holy Spirit brought into their memory and inspired them to write even after Jesus ascended into heaven. We hear his words when we hear the reading of the Holy Scriptures as the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2, 19 and 20, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone. So it is that the Holy Spirit works faith in us through the word of God. It is the Holy Spirit at work through the gospel that converts us from those false religions. Those false religions that are fear and death to the true relationship with Jesus the Christ. For if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the risen Lord, and that we are sinners, and that we repent of our sins, and if we ask that Holy Spirit to dwell within us, then we won't have a religion but we will have the true relationship of forgiveness, salvation, eternal life, and peace that is found only in Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, who by his life and death on the cross and the resurrection is the source of all of the gifts that we get from God. Now the gospel we just heard told us of a woman who was afraid when Jesus exposed her deed. In a similar way, our sinful nature, Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, is afraid when the Holy Spirit calls us by the gospel. He gets downright angry. He comes into your face. He will use people around you. He will use your actions against you. He will come and try to drive you away from the spirit, the peace, the love of Jesus Christ. Just as the woman had no reason to fear, we also have no reason to fear. Just as Jesus gave peace and healing to her, he wants to give us eternal peace. Here's the thing. Jesus died on the cross to take away all of our sins. He has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. He has earned our salvation and gives us it freely. Don't be afraid, Acts 16, 31, but believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And that's the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Your hands, O oh Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy that you can grant these and anything else that you think that we might need. And we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Christ, Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, our Redeemer, Jesus, our Lord. And all of us, you say, Amen. 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 Amen.
Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loves us and by his grace gives us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. You have been listening to The Way, Universal Life Church with Pastor Gene and Rebecca.